Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. This is part two of a two-part conversation with Jeremy Kinneberg of Threshold Initiatives. We were talking about authority and identity and other issues as it relates to disciple-making, and I'm looking forward to jumping right into this second half. We're seated with him. We're Mm -hmm. friends of his. We're welcomed to be with him. We have access to all the resources and all the power of heaven, and we're called to walk it out in love and authority, just like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Great summary. That's excellent. And what you're describing is true for every believer in Jesus Christ. You, you know, it's not, you're not, it's not elite level. You made that very clear, but here, here's a question that comes up. A lot of people who teach in these areas of authority and, and, and even identity have unique gifting, at, yep. you know, and, and maybe, maybe some seemingly more spectacular gifts and, and they're the ones teaching in this. How does giftedness interface with authority talking, you know, whatever your gift mix is, how does authority then come out to play uh, for every believer? Yeah. At the end of the day, we only have authority over that, which we love. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't, if we're operating in uh, authority with people and we don't love, we're in trouble. We're going to operate mm-hmm. in power and power without love on it is actually corrupt. And right away, it's going to have the inability to properly lead and love people in kingdom ways. So that's one part of it. Uh, the other part of it is even when you're doing spiritual warfare, spiritual ministry, any of that stuff, if you're not loving the person if you're not able to come with love in it and you're not able to operate in what God's given you, which is part of who God is, is God is love. I love scriptures that are clear. First John four, God is clear on this one thing that God is love. Um, there's a lot of other components to God. Please don't miss that. However, if we don't operate in the same love uh, that he's calling us to, we're, we're going to have problems. And uh, I think what happens at times is people have great gifts. They have great uh, ability, but they lack character. They lack love. And, uh, and that gets really tricky. And we've seen what that can do in the, in the context of the church and the world is that leaders who aren't operating in, in the, the fullness of God and in the intimacy with God in the love of God can get into trouble really quick. And generally that happens when we lose track of our intimacy and our accessibility with God, mm-hmm. uh, where we're no longer accessing the presence of God and living in the intimacy and the fullness that God actually has for us. Because at the end of the day, uh, you only have as much authority as you actually are walking in intimacy. The times where I've walked in the least amount of authority in my life has generally been when I've had the least amount of intimacy with God, Mm. where I've been too busy, where I've spent too much time doing other things, where I'm distracted and still trying to do ministry, uh, where I'm, I'm doing all the things that I think are important, except being with him. At the end of the day, he is the source of all authority, but he's the source of our life. And, and far too often we, we spend far too little space with God and try to wonder why we're not making a difference in the world around us. Now it's great if you have great gifts, but every single person has that, like you mentioned, same ability to walk in spiritual authority because there is no junior Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Every one of us is filled with the Holy spirit. Uh, that is a follower of Jesus Christ. When you come to Christ and you are filled with the spirit, you have the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Uh, People with great gifts and great abilities, it's awesome. They often get great platforms. Uh, That's great. But every single one of us has a platform every single day. 
everywhere we go, we have the ability to walk into to every situation with kingdom authority and do what God's called us to. Uh, and that comes out of the intimacy that we have with God. Uh, I have a friend that told me for a while that every single day, every time that he was in scripture, every time he opened his Bible, sometime that day, God would give him an opportunity to share that specific thing with somebody wow. because he had <laughs> been specifically intimate with God and spent the time and done the time with God. He then had something to say. And the amazing thing is because it was something he'd already learned, it wasn't just off the cuff and it was something of the day he had authority that day hmm. with that person to speak into that thing. Um, doesn't matter if you have a preaching ministry or if you're praying for people, or if you have all these different things, at the end of the day, you have to come in love and you have to come with that intimacy uh, and the awareness of God's presence. And honestly, the ability to do a lot of the things that people are doing up front come from a place of great intimacy. Uh, the people that I know that are walking in some of the greatest authority and some of the greatest gifts and all those sort of things, honestly, it came from a place of great intimacy and great connection with God. Hmm. That's good. We talk, talk a lot about authority as it relates to the individual, but yeah. there's also an authority that comes from the, the body, from the community in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, where yeah. two or three are gathered, yeah. one shall chase a thousand, two will chase 10,000. Talk a little bit of authority as it relates to the body, as it relates to the community of the faith versus just individuals. Yeah. Because I think that does answer the gift question a little bit because the body has all gifts. Yep. I as an individual may not, but the body does. Yes. Yeah. And that's right. I mean, there's a lot of different gifts that, uh, I mean, even personally that I've operated in, uh, there's some that I haven't operated in, uh, but every person has, when you come to Christ, spiritual gifts, every one of us has been given something. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, there is an opportunity to get more gifts out there, to walk into more of that with God by being more intimate with God and walking. And then at the end of the day, he's just wanting to look for somebody he can trust. He's wanting to look for somebody that he can trust with the gifts he's giving them, essentially. So if you're able to to walk in that intimacy and trust with God, then you can walk into that. Now, at the end of the day, the church is looking uh, or or the world is looking specifically for people to actually reflect the character and quality of Christ. Uh, They're looking for something real right now. And the church is needing to step into this. Um, Every person in the church, because here's the deal. um, You may have the opportunity to meet me. Five people may have the opportunity to meet me. Ten people, if I work in a church, might have the opportunity to meet me. Um, But at the end of the day, every person outside has the opportunity to meet you. Your neighbors have the opportunity to meet you. Your family has the opportunity to connect with you. The person at the grocery store that you meet with has the opportunity to connect with you. Uh, So every believer needs to walk in spiritual authority. Every believer has something to give in the moment that they give it. Uh, I can remember uh, a day I was working at the church and I can remember sitting in the uh, the foyer talking with uh, another pastor at the time. And we were just having a conversation and all of a sudden a lady came running up to us like her hair was on fire. It was one of those moments where I was like, what is happening? And she said, there's a man with a gun in the prayer room. <laughs> okay. This is that moment as a pastor that every pastor's like, Really? Does that happen? Like we all think what would happen if somebody came to the church with a gun? I mean, we're not in the, in the States. So this isn't a regular rhythm for us. Um, my, my son has offered to bring his Nerf gun several times to church, but that's a whole different thing. Um, and I, at one point in time as a youth pastor shot all sorts of Nerf guns around the church. That's different. This is a, an actual moment with a, a mature Christian woman coming up and saying, there's a man with a gun in the prayer room. And I looked at the other pastor and he looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do about it? I was like, what are you going to do about it? What, what am I going to do? And he said, what are you going to do? And, and I said, I guess I'm going to go. And he said, I'll pray. 
glad you did. Thank you. And, uh, and I took off, I went over to the prayer room and I got there and there was a, a group of faithful prayers. These are people that are walking in intimacy with God. And these people were shaken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I walked into the room and I said, where is he at? And they said, he left. I said, well, that's great. We're good here. You know? <laughs> and I could, uh, I could feel there was like definitely something in the room, but they said, he just left out the door. And so uh, me being me, for some reason, I decided I was going to follow out the door and go see if this guy was okay. And I walked out the door and I saw him down the block and I went after him and, uh, and I ran up and I noticed who he was. And I realized that there was some other challenges there and some limitations, some mental health and different things. And, and I looked at the bag that he was carrying and uh, I went, don't think there's a gun in there. And I realized he was also safe as a result. So I turned around and I walked back and I walked into the, the prayer room and I said, okay, just fill me in real quick. He said, there's a man with a gun in the prayer room. Did you see a gun or did you feel a gun? Hmm. And they said, well, he was carrying a bag and he was threatening us. And we said, you're a child of God. And he said, no, I'm a child of the devil, obviously having a tough moment in his life. And uh, they all of a sudden had this sense that he was carrying a gun. And I hmm. said, okay, everybody, hold on. Uh, you've been afraid of something that he, you felt he was carrying, but you weren't actually encountering what Christ had for you in that moment or bringing that. So everybody hold hands just a second. Let's just pray. And let's invite the Prince of Peace to give us what he has, as opposed to what this other guy gave us, which was fear. And one by one, they all just settled. You can see the shoulders slough. You can see everything kind of settled down and peace came into the room. And and, uh, I realized something that day as we continued on with the story, there's more to it. But as we continued on, I realized one thing is that we have the ability in any environment to shift the atmosphere that we find ourselves in by what we carry into that room. Hmm. Okay, so what I carry into any any given environment has the ability to affect what's going on there. Uh, The best picture I can give you of this is a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermometer reads the temperature of the room and goes to that. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room and brings the room up to that. Uh, in Christ, with the authority that we're, we're given, we're actually called to be thermo- thermostats, uh, individuals that are actually taking our temperature and our gauge and our culture and the reality of heaven and bringing that to earth and making that the reality. We're praying, uh, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. So what does that look like? We're actually touching heaven then to come and change earth, to bring the temperature, the culture, the reality of heaven to earth. So every person can do that. Every single one of us can do that. Um, My kids can do that. A child can do that because they, as followers of Christ, have the same Holy Spirit in them. So you can affect that in a room full of friends. You can affect that anywhere you go. I I played hockey, men's hockey for a short amount of time, a short-lived stint playing uh, in the the all the uh, the all, or sorry the uh, adult safe hockey league really great name for a league where I ended up getting a severe concussion but uh, <laughs> I was playing hockey in this league I showed up the first day and the culture was brutal in the dressing room uh, guys were drinking it was strange I was just looking to have some fun playing hockey I played high school college uh, I played all the way from when I was five so I wanted to play hockey again as a thirty something <laughs> and I walked in the room and I went this culture is not great. Hmm. And so I went I think I should shift this culture God what would that look like and he said you need to honor. I was like, okay. So I walked up to the first guy and I shook his hand. I said, my name's Jeremy. What's your name? And I shook his hand, looked him in the eyes and just honored him for who he was. Hmm. And I did that with every single person around that dressing room. Within a matter of weeks, the whole room was doing the same thing. They'd walk in say, Hey, good to see you tonight, Jeremy and shake hands. And they would move Hmm. on. And the culture started to shift in there. What happened was guys weren't drinking before the games, which was great. Uh, That changes the team right away. Uh, Guys play different, but also the language started to shift. The way we talked to each other, the way we engaged with each other changed. Uh, the culture shifted because 
I shifted that and my friends started doing that with me as well. <clears throat> so we have the ability to do that again, to be the thermometer in the room, which goes down to the level of what the room is, the fear, the anxiety, the struggle, the, the stuff that's hard in that room, or to come with the culture of heaven and bring the, the manifest presence of God, that uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, uh, mm -hmm. you know, these sort of things with us. We've been not given a power, a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When we show up with the Holy Spirit, in us, it should change the atmosphere. So mm -hmm. the authority that Christ has given us is that identity knowing who I am. It's walked out in the intimacy of what I'm doing with God and how I'm walking with God and walking well with God and keeping short accounts with him uh, in my interior world and keeping it clean and, and good with him. And then also on top of that, then walking it out and actually stepping out and doing it the way that Jesus mm. would call us to. Oh, that's excellent. Very good. I, I think the answer to this, this next question, Jeremy, is fairly self-evident, but I want to just, just pin it. Uh, when it comes to disciple making, how does teaching, training, equipping in the area of authority fit in? And, and maybe get really granular on that. Someone comes to faith, mm -hmm. you know, repent, believe, they start to follow through baptism. At what point do you introduce them to the concept of authority? What do you teach them initially? How does that show up in, the, in a disciple-making flow in, in a life of an individual believer? Yeah, I think one of the things that we've done <clears throat> for a really long time in the church that's maybe a disservice to people is that we've we've held back on things and made them uh, special special qualities that only a few can have. Uh, we've said, oh, when you get to this level, you can get this. And, and we've made it like a, a university uh, program where it's a 101, 201, 301. And I think what part of it is is saying right up front, here's who you are as Christ. And now let's figure out how to walk that out. Uh, and part of that is being able to do it. Uh, right away when I was a youth pastor, one of the things I realized was that people were coming to youth events, but they weren't necessarily coming to Christ, but they love to serve. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, uh, I can't have you on the leadership team because you're not a follower of Christ yet, um, but uh, I got to find a place for you to serve. And so one of the things that we did was that we found ways for people to connect, for, for them to serve, for them to engage. And, and as they did, they started to actually take on some of those qualities because they were with people that were also doing that as well. So they started to figure that out. And I think part of it is really understanding uh, and getting a really foundational core teaching of who we are in Christ. And part of that happens as we're actually walking it out. Uh, part of it happens as we're sitting down one-on-one, -on -one, life on life with somebody, uh, apprenticing un under somebody as we apprentice Jesus. But also it, it happens as we're really putting our feet to our faith and going, okay, what does this look like? Um, and not pushing people aside to say, okay, this is an opportunity for me. I'm in charge mm -hmm. or, or somebody who's better equipped. It's taking people into every, every situation. So one of the things for me, as far as prayer ministry that I did, uh, people will say, I want to be involved in prayer ministry. And I'm going, you're not ready for some of the stuff we're dealing with. However, mm -hmm. I know this person is, and you can partner with them. And so taking a person into every environment and giving them opportunities, so giving them the teaching, but then giving them the opportunities to see it in action, giving them the opportunities to try it out in a safe environment, and then giving the opportunity then when it's time and when they're ready to step into it and do it themselves. And, uh, and one of the things I've done, uh, whether good or bad at times, is, is if I'm training somebody and I see it's an opportunity for them, I'll just say, hey, okay, I want you to try it now, right in the middle of a prayer ministry or right in the middle of a leadership moment. 
sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. I had this one time with somebody I was training for teaching and uh, I was young as a youth pastor, but I was training this guy. And, and there was a moment where my wife called me. She had uh, just had a baby not too long before and, and was recovering and, and having a hard day. And, and she called and she said uh, on my little cell phone I had at the time, I pulled it out just before I went on stage. And she said, um, you need to come home now. Hmm. And I went, okay, I need to come home now. What I'm doing is not more important than what you're doing. So uh, those 400 students are going to stay in the room with those 80 leaders. And I looked at the guy who I was training and I said, here's the mic and some notes. You're up. And he said, what? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he went up there and he knew what I was going to talk about because I'd already talked through it with him and he got up and he did it. And was it as good as what I would have done? I don't know. Did he bring something unique to the table? Yeah. Uh, Did he do a good job? It was good. He did okay. Was my wife honored in that moment? Yes. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so I went home and did that. Um, but I think sometimes we hold back on things for far too long with people. And, uh, and then the other part of it is, is we need to do better at talking through things after. Hmm. Uh, we like to put people into environments and say, now go do it. But then we don't process uh, we don't walk through and say, okay, so how did that work for you? How can I help you with that? What's some questions or, or some things that you need some responses to on how to do this better? And I think in the church, we could do a lot better with that is, mm-hmm. is giving people those kind of discipleship uh, apprenticing moments to actually ask the good questions and to get the follow-up. And mm-hmm. when they fail to say, hey, it wasn't a fail because you tried. Right. Uh, instead to say, hey, you know what? That didn't go great. We both know it. So does everyone else who was present, but guess what? Next time it could go better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that's part of it for me is, is looking at opportunities for people to do that. I'm looking for opportunities for people to come with me to do things when I do it. Um, I've been inviting people. If I go speak somewhere, I'm doing ministry or, or inner healing or teaching on healing or anything like that. I'll take somebody with me now, if I can, uh, if I can work out a, a way to do that, I'll take them with me. And then I'll say, okay, this person is here and they're coming with the same authority and the abilities that I have. Because it's somebody that I've been training and I know they can do it. And then I will stand back and I will watch them do their part and make sure they're doing okay. And if they're having trouble, I'll give them a little bit extra time to try it. And then I'll step in and say, hey, let me support you for a second. And uh, so I'm learning how to do that. But uh, it's an imperfect learning perhaps at this point. But it's something I think we all can do better is Mm -hmm. actually training people all the time to do every single thing in the church. Uh, If you're a teacher, you should always be training a teacher. If you're somebody who's doing evangelism, you should always be training in evangelism. If you're walking in prayer ministry, you need to be training multiple people because right now the world is desperate for an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And it's happening no, often through one-on-one conversations. And the church yeah. needs to be the first venue of that, whether the church as a brick and mortar or the church as your house and your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting how you brought around there, Jeremy, because I've been doing some thinking and even some, some teaching on this issue of teaching versus training and how, you know, we, we need to shift from being teaching centers to training centers, actual That's equipping right. centers, which includes teaching. Yep. But it's not the end result, and and I think the the identity authority relationship is is a is a beautiful place to land there, where we need to teach people about their identity and train them to use their authority. Yeah, it's like you know two sides of the coin there, and you've described that very well. The whole idea of modeling, of of giving people opportunity, of allowing people to fail, we've got to get better at that for sure. And uh, that's, I think, how it fits in with disciple making. That is disciple making. Yeah. You know, student when fully trained will be like his teacher, not just in content, but in actual practice. So I think that's not a bad place really, really land. And there's, I know we could go a lot, a lot longer on this. Uh, and people might want to dig in deeper with you. Uh, how can people find out about you? And what, what are specifically the kinds of 
services or ministries you offer? Yeah, uh, the first thing is uh, we are on social media and all the different places you're looking for us. So uh, Threshold Initiatives uh, is uh, is our handle. So at Threshold Initiatives, uh, you can and also that's a dot com, us. correct? Threshold Initiatives. There's also thresholdinitiatives.com. dot com. Uh, so that's our website is is uh, thresholdinitiatives.com. And uh, it's uh, just got all of our resourcing, everything we do there, uh, all the different kind of uh, just ministry and work that we're doing, but also some opportunities for discipleship. Uh, and we're, we're currently blogging and resourcing and putting together all sorts of different resources to help the church uh, to be the church in the world around them right mm. now. And so I know other people are doing that, like you, Darren, and uh, it's phenomenal what's going on already around us. But uh, wherever you're finding yourself rooted right now, you should be doing that for the people around you. So uh, you're doing that where you're at, Darren. I'm trying to do that where I'm at here. And uh, so you can find us on there. Also, yeah, we're we like I'm a life coach. I've got that, but I'm also an ordained minister. Uh, and I've got uh, different kinds of things that services that we offer. Both Carmen and I are doing that through mentoring and uh, coaching, but also through renewal conversations. We're working with leaders uh, in churches and in different denominational places as well. Uh, but we're working with international workers, uh, just helping people to take those threshold steps to the next level. And so if you're a person who's looking for some of those conversations or you just feel spiritually, uh, emotionally, mentally stuck in an area right now and you want to have a conversation, we would love to meet with you on that. Oh, that's excellent. And and just to clarify, you offer ministry both to individuals and to groups, to churches, yep. uh, preaching, speaking, training, all of yep. that kind of stuff. So really offering a lot on this area. You know, this is this area you've been talking about obviously is is your wheelhouse. And I just want to want to uh, commend commend you to the audience and encourage people if anything's been sparked in them, any any sense of longing or desire to go deeper, uh, to check out thresholdinitiatives.com, hunt down Jeremy and Carmen Kinneberg and uh, see what the Lord wants to do uh, in and through you and, th- and through them. Thanks so much, Jeremy. This has been outstanding. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. Uh, it's and, been great uh, to be with you, and it's great to be a part of uh, the disciple-making world with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, right on. Thanks for joining us, folks. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.